0: Our topic today on The Morning Show is anger, and specifically how anger can be of benefit to women. And we are also going to talk about how anger has in some ways been sort of a suppressed emotion for many women, uh, taught as young girls that uh, to be angry is an unfeminine, unattractive trait that uh, needs to be avoided at at all costs. And of course, there's all sorts of, of evidence to the contrary. And, and the topic is, is a fascinating one, which has been explored by three women, Deborah Cox, Sally Stabb, and our guest today, uh, Karen Bruckner, who have uh, co-written a fascinating book entitled The Anger Advantage, The Surprising Benefits of Anger and How It Can Change a Woman's Life. Uh, this is published by Broadway Books, and we have uh, Karen Bruckner with us for a few minutes to talk about it. Karen Bruckner, we welcome you to The Morning Show.
1: Thank you very much. Happy to be here.
0: I think right off the bat, the, the story of how this study came about with the, the three of you in collaboration is, is in itself uh, worth, worth discussing. Tell us about the three of you, your connection with one another, and uh, your collective work on this topic of anger among women.
1: Sure. Um, we actually started independently, but we were all together at the same university, Texas Women's University um, in Denton, Texas. And we, there were actually several students who were working on theses and dissertation uh, projects at the time that had something to do with some aspect of anger. And Sally Stab is a professor there. She was the first one to pull together this thread of commonality between all, all of our research topics and put together a, um, a presentation, a roundtable presentation at a uh, national convention. Uh, back in the mid-90s, and so when we all came together and presented together, that's when we really started to um, talk with each other, and we were also at the time approached by an editor for our first book who said, you know, we are really interested in an academic book on this topic, um, and so many, uh, several of us started out together uh, thinking about writing on that book, and it, and it ended up with just Sally and Deborah myself. And so we really forged a, a research relationship and a collaboration and also friendship over the years and have continued to be just, as you said, it's a fascinating topic for us. Um, we continue to be really interested in it. Um, it's really relevant to our personal lives for each of the three of us and the lives of our clients and friends and family. So it's one of those things that we, I've, I've developed a passion for.
0: You, you talk in the introduction of the book about all, all three of you had essentially the same experience growing up of, of being told that, that girls should not be angry. It was the one emotion people did not want to see in women. And I think one of the points you're making is that the three of you did not have identical childhoods, identical backgrounds by any means, but all three of you experienced this.
1: That's very true. That's very true. We did, and it was a, a, a striking uh, realization in the beginning of our um, research. And since then, in talking to, to women, you know, sometimes as part of our formal studies that we've done, and sometimes just um, anecdotally, <laughs> we, we would get together and meet certain places and we'd be out eating dinner in a restaurant or we'd be out of bed and breakfast. And a conversation would start with the people that were we were uh, that were waiting on us or were staying with us, and whenever we brought up the topic of what our book was about, invariably women would say, "Oh, you should talk to me. I can tell you some stories about anger," and and there just seems to be a real uh, it seems to be a real common experience even outside the three of us, obviously. Uh,
0: your, your study has been called the Women's Anger Project, and I liked how you. In talking about that and, and the writing of the book, you called it at one point the hammering process. <laughs> that was a real interesting choice of words. And you say the hammering process was long and, and complicated. And, and I suppose partly because you're tackling here an, an extremely broad, potentially very complex topic uh, amongst essentially all women who, of course, are all uh, unique individuals.
1: Right. And it is. It's extremely complex. One of the challenges in writing this book has to resist the um, tendency or the temptation to make it a black and white issue, just to make it um, simple enough to be, you know, enjoyable to read, because it is very complex. There's all kinds of personality characteristics and cultural characteristics and age and gender differences that play into it. And really, I th- we think of this book as a snapshot of where we're at in our journey in the research, and, and I think that reflects the um, state of research as a whole in the field of psychology on anger, um, whereas a couple of decades ago the research was tended to be a lot more black and white. Do you hold your anger in, or do you let it out, you know, one or the other? Um, and is it good to do one, or is it good, to, you know, or is it bad? And really now the research is, research is a lot more sophisticated and complex so that we're looking at shades of gray mm. you know for some people at some times it is um, you know more helpful to hold their anger in and some pe- and at other times to let it out and that's kind of why we organized the book the way that we did because um, we have chapters on you know anger at work anger in the family anger in a love relationship in friendship and that's because We found that in listening to women, women do make different choices in different contexts. And so we really wanted to reflect the complexity in how we organize the material.
0: One of the uh, things I want to talk about specifically is the fact that you have written this book for women. Mm -hmm. And so you are, of course, proceeding from the assumption that, uh, to a significant degree, men and women uh, express anger, experience anger, in, in profoundly different ways. Uh, one of the questions I want to ask you is, do you believe that that difference, uh, uh, let, let's, let's grant that it exists to some extent, do you believe that that dichotomy is as sharply contrasted today as, for instance, it was 30 years ago? I ask the question because I, I think some people would suggest that that there is not quite the drastic divergence between genders maybe now that there was a generation ago.
1: Right. I think I would agree that there isn't. That's very true. And um, I think in in just some of the materials that I've read, some of the things that I've read lately that have not been um, so much academic, but more in the popular press, there's, that point has been made that um, there's a sense that women are getting angrier. And I'm not sure if that's the case or or as maybe as you suggest, that women are feeling more free to be open with their anger than they have in the past, and it's so. It's still, um, I think, it, it was still interesting for us to find the way that we do much of our research is to um, try to hear women's stories and ask them to speak about their experience in their own voice, and so it's really interesting to still hear how much of the time women. Feel that it's important not to be open and free with their anger.
0: So this may be, an, I mean, because I'm thinking, for instance, I mean, once upon a time, so many boys were told, you know, never to cry or right. don't play the flute or whatever it might <laughs> right. be, and a really, <laughs> right. you know, some some of those some of those sort of stereotypes are, it seems to me anyway, are are beginning to fall away.
1: Yes,
0: uh, uh, and and, yes. and thankfully so. But but you are suggesting maybe that this may be one of those areas in which that dichotomy is still very much in place?
1: Well, here's what I, I see. I think anger in itself has a really bad reputation. <laughs> um, for men and women, it's considered you know, to be in a negative light. And I think that's because in our culture we have not developed a positive model for how to deal with your anger. If you think about anger as an emotion, a natural emotion that occurs in the course of everyday living, just like happiness and sadness and all our other feelings, um, and it's inevitable. It's going to come up, um, but yet it is one of those emotions because it is uncomfortable to feel angry um, and also because it is so closely associated with aggression. It's just an emotion that has a bad reputation is what I call it. and even men are, you know, are taught to be careful with their anger. It's just that men, in very significant ways, have more permission to be aggressive than women do. And we see that in the images that you see in the media, um, on TV and in the movies. And the whole, as you, you know, macho image, which, um, of course, has... Ch- that whole tendency to socialize boys that way has changed over the last couple of decades, but it's still very much there. Um, you, uh, in the course
0: of this book, surveyed um, over 1,000 women. One of the things that occurs to me is that for one to do a, a, a study of something like this, which uh, is by its very nature a very comprehensive sort of thing, it, it, it surely is of utmost importance that those 1,000-plus women somehow represent a broad swath of our society mm-hmm. i wonder if you can give us some sense of the care with which you and your colleagues took uh to ensure that you were not just speaking to for instance other professional women of your own oh, age right. and economic class yeah. and that 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 sort of thing how broad a span of experience are we talking about in these thousand or so women
1: um it- We have been – actually, it's a um, compilation of a number of different studies that each of us have done, sometimes independently and sometimes collaboratively. And early on, Sally and I um, worked on a a focus group that we had uh, where we put together groups of women of different cultural backgrounds and different age age ranges. And so that was really – You know, important in ensuring the diversity of our of the sample of sample that we are using in our research, and then also we've used the internet in some, uh, especially the study that Sally and I are collecting data on right now. We've used the internet, and we ask for demographic information so that we're able to track the age, the cultural background, the socioeconomic level of the women that that are responding to our our
0: surveys. One term that you used in the introduction, uh, I did not quite understand. I mean, I sort of understood it in, in, its, in the context of the sentence, but I, I don't remember reading this before. Um, you, you said that surveying women gave us certain kinds of information about their sense of agency uh, or yeah. personal power. Could you explain that a little further, what exactly is meant by a woman's sense of
1: agency? Right. Um, and Deborah has really... Uh, that, that has to do with uh, especially with some research that she's been really active in. Um, and what that agency refers to is a woman's sense that she is empowered to act on her um, needs or her wishes or her plans, then the ability to um, accomplish those things that she wishes to accomplish and her feeling of empowerment to do so. And how much is anger? does anger contribute to that? Um, and I think one of the more exciting things in, in the course of the last several years to come across, we, we started out looking at how women divert anger because of the socialization and, and how women cope with the fact that they are angry and um, also with the rules that they feel that they have to play by in terms of not showing their anger. But we started to hear, and and amongst all those stories of how women did that, we started to hear women telling stories about what happened when they really stayed with their anger, and they they got really furious. And we'd hear them say something like, um, you know, it was that night when I got so angry and I just couldn't stand it anymore, and I really, really let it out. And in the middle of that, I realized, oh, my gosh, it, it just got so clear to me, this is what I need to do. And it was either, you know, I need to change my job or leave that boyfriend or uh, stop drinking or whatever it was. I need to move back to whatever. And and they get this sense of clarity around the issue that they were really angry about that had been eluding them before. And it was when they really stayed with their anger and tolerated that feeling and let it take them to the point of, of this realization that they felt, um, you know, was most powerful for them.
0: We're speaking with Karen Bruckner. She is one of the authors of a book entitled The Anger Advantage, The Surprising Benefits of Anger and How It Can Change a Woman's Life. Uh, Karen Bruckner is a psychotherapist uh, who uh, uh, lives and works in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, Karen Bruckner, uh, you say in in the first chapter of the book that uh, anger is a powerful and much misunderstood emotion. And you go on to say that, you know, what we, what we really don't seem to have understood in the past but are beginning to explore now and understand better is that anger has a constructive, beneficial side. What, what is it that can be constructive or beneficial about anger?
1: Well, I think the fact that it has a lot of information to give us. It, and we can really learn um, a lot of, of important information about ourselves by attending to our anger and listening to it. Because anger is what happens when two people bump up against each other. It's at that point of conflict where people realize, you know, what I want is different from what you want. I, this is where I am different from you. You get a piece of information about who you are and what your preferences are, what you need, what you don't need. And it allows you <clears throat> to be in a relationship with someone who you might, who you may love very, very much, um, but still be able to be yourself and say, you know, even though I do love you and care about you, I really don't want to move to Boston or I really don't want to have another child or whatever the issue is. Um, and and you, if you allow yourself, as, especially as a woman, if you allow yourself to feel that anger and acknowledge it, then you can hold on to that piece of information of who you are. Um.
0: At some p- point in, early in the book, you also point to, uh, as, as a tangible benefit of anger, something I had not stopped to think about. Mm-hmm. You say that uh, anger can help women, and I suppose it's true for men to some extent, uh, help them to do many of the things they need and want to do, endowing their owner, the owner of the anger, with emotional energy and intellectual clarity for making needed life changes. I'd never stop to think about anger being a a positive source uh, of energy.
1: Well, I think the other thing is that we do, especially in America, tend to um, mix anger with aggression very readily. And it's really important, I think, as a basis for the whole book um, and in our research, it's really important to differentiate those two things, that anger is as an emotion and a feeling can be very constructive and um, does carry its own energy aggression is an energy but it's a behavior it's an acting out against someone and we don't ever consider aggression to be helpful or positive Um, it can be very hurtful and harmful and and unsafe and so if you if you um, separate those two things and and are very clear that I can be very angry and choose not to be aggressive then you can take a look at what's positive about anger and what might be helpful to you.
0: This brings to mind one of the myths which you uh, try to explore mm-hmm. about anger mm-hmm. the fact that uh, we often think that anger is must be is inherently destructive right. uh, and I guess that comes from that same confusion uh, exactly. between anger and aggression
1: Exactly, and, and how important it is to keep it clear. And I think, you know, what really struck me just lately, um, Michael Moore's film, Bowling for Columbine, um, in that film he tries to tease out the difference between Americans and other countries, um, especially Canada, where he makes the case that Canada, Canadians have just as many guns around as we do, and yet their murder rate is so much, so much uh, lower than ours. And I'm really, really curious about that, that just I've been so thoughtful and wondering if one of the pieces of that puzzle might be that in America we tend to knee-jerk, have this knee-jerk reaction and jump right from anger into aggression, whereas maybe in other cultures, you know, there's more of a separation there.
0: Hmm. One of the things you say in terms of men and women uh, sort of viewing and experiencing anger differently uh, is... Traditional anger control programs uh, miss the mark with most women. Right? How is that?
1: Well, I think many, many more women struggle with uh, the problems of burying their anger than um, and, and hiding from it or uh, avoiding it than do uh, than the number of women who are um, struggling with dumping their anger on other people and needing to control their aggressive tendencies although that certainly is a way that some women do deal with their anger um, I think it's it's learning how to control your aggression is definitely it's crucial it is important but again it's just half the picture the other half of the picture is what are you going to do with the anger that you're feeling to try and talk yourself out of it or to say that if I just can live the right way and think the right way, I won't feel this anger, I think is is really misleading for people. And um, I think especially for women, by uh, trying to avoid the anger, um, they're also not having an opportunity to, to deal with the issues that cause the anger and that trigger the anger. So I think it would be much more helpful for women to to find a way to explore the emotion, to experience the emotion, to learn that crucial information about what it is that's not right in their lives, and then um, be able to take some action so that the anger doesn't keep arising. I think that's much more helpful than trying to say, I don't need to be angry. Um, Anger is is negative and bad, so I'm going to calm myself down.
0: I especially appreciated uh, the the moment in the book when you uh, bring up the, I think, undeniable fact that... um, that anger and and the way a given person deals with anger is is not tied entirely to gender. Mm-hmm. Of course, it stems from all kinds of things. And you you suggest that someone needs to examine their own personal anger archives to look at where the, uh, life has taken them and and all of the different ways in which uh, maybe anger has been creative in their lives. How exactly is that? Uh, beneficial or instructive for someone to do, and and how would you suggest that somebody go about doing that examination of their anger archives, as you call it?
1: Right. I I think um, uh, it's reflective of the complexity of the of the whole issue as we were talking about earlier that it isn't um, a simple matter to take a look at where your anger has come from and not only what triggers your anger. But what are some of the rules that you learned growing up, and as you became that became part of your identity? Um, what are some of the rules that you learned about how to deal with anger and, and how to how you feel about anger? So when we talk about anger archives, we're talking about women uh, women considering what role their um, family played in you know what did they learn about anger from their mothers and their grandmothers and their extended family. What, was, what were the rules around being angry at, um, when they were a little girl? And what kinds of things happened as they were growing up that caused anger for them? And, and were they, was that anger stored? Is that anger ever resolved in any way? Um, and the reason that's important is when, when, as life goes on, there are going to be similar situations that mirror those kinds of incidents that happen in childhood. And, and you're going to get like an anniversary effect. or a, um, It's going to be more of a hot trigger for someone, um, especially as women have their own children if they choose to do so. And these children get to be the same age as, as um, maybe the mother was when, when something that was very ang- what I call angergenic happened to her. Um, or go through similar situations in school or with friends, uh, with siblings. All these things are are little bits of information and pieces of information that can really help you understand um, the meaning of anger in your life. And uh, outside of family and growing up, there's religious um, influences and uh, different cultural and socioeconomic influences. And so I think we have a few exercises and ideas in the book um, that help people try to make a start at looking at how all these things come together for them.
0: Um, is anger always a positive thing? Because, I mean, surely we are all aware of the fact that it's, it's I mean, to, to coin the most common term, it's possible to be angry, to, to get angry in a way that doesn't really accomplish very much. Right. Um, but in your view... When 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 that begins to occur, then has anger turned into something else, or do you prefer to discuss positive and negative ways of being angry or expressing anger?
1: Uh huh. I think the latter is probably the most accurate. That um, definitely there are times when anger, um, if it's not directed at the at the person that needs to hear about it, when when you start to communicate about your anger. Um, then that can be a really negative experience and not as helpful as um, just not as helpful. And I think also people can get stuck in their anger um, if they, you know, we kind of break the process down into two stages. And the first stage is it, the first stage involves developing an anger consciousness and, and an awareness. And for women, this is especially important because. Um, we talk about ways that they can get in touch with this emotion if they've been used to trying to avoid it or hide, you know, hide their anger. So that's the first stage. And then the second stage is communicating about it and how are you going to talk about your anger to the person who needs to hear about it. Um, and so sometimes people can get stuck in the first stage and just they're experiencing it, they're feeling it. <laughs> it's very real to them, but they're having a hard time taking that next step to communicating and doing something about it or sometimes you know it can be the reverse where people are doing a lot of talking and venting um, but perhaps they really aren't in touch with what the real issue is or um, what's happening inside them when they're angry so that their communication isn't as effective
0: i i was particularly intrigued by the list of 10 anger traps which you uh, uh encourage people to uh to try and, and, and avoid. Uh, and, and I thought some of these were, were so helpful. For instance, the assumption that many people make that anger will go away on its own if you just give it enough time, right. which really sounds good, but of course is not exactly true.
1: Right. I, I, I love those too. Um, those come directly from uh, things that we hear women say in in some of our interviews, in our our focus groups.
0: I wanted to also ask you about the the, the process then where you encourage a a woman to to, uh, find their anger, find an angry voice, an angry face, an angry posture. Uh, What is helpful about that?
1: Well, I think in a lot of ways, our bodies can help us access our emotions. If we're feeling cut off from our feelings, you know our bodies can help us do that. and so we try to suggest a whole variety of different physical things that women can do from what you just described about you know looking into a mirror and finding something that works for you in terms of or that resonates with you, um, something that touches you emotionally and brings up some feelings, everything from those kinds of exercises to ones that are really physically. A lot involve a lot of physical exertion, whether it's a sports thing where you're kicking a soccer ball around or jogging, or you know pounding on on your couch cushions or ripping up old newspapers or something. Um, I've, it's really an effective technique to use to try to access your emotions through your physical uh, body, and and so that's really a lot of what those exercises are about. And also, it's pretty, um, I think, grounding. And in some ways, empowering to either look at yourself in the mirror and see your face and see how you you look, or hear yourself, hear your voice, and see how you hear how you sound when you're angry, and realize that nobody is um, being mortally wounded. <laughs> we I've done exercises with women that involve a lot of physical activity, and to be able to do something. Um, that, as, you know, maybe beat on a cushion or something as hard as you can, as hard as you can for as long as you can until you're really drained of of that emotion. And you, you look around and you see that nobody's gotten hurt, you're not hurt, the world is still going on, um, that can be a big relief and a big revelation and, and, and very empowering.
0: As you uh, mentioned earlier, one of the things that really probably makes your book distinct from many others is that you... Uh, explore different arenas of of a woman's life in which anger might be experienced and 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 played out uh anger within one's uh spousal relationship within friendships within the family in the workplace Uh, is it that anger is different in those different arenas or that The causes are profoundly different. Why why is it uh, important, do you think, for us to be examining anger in in this kind of way and to make these kind of distinctions?
1: Well, I I think, again, it's it's relative to the complexity of the situation, which is something that we learn more about in listening to women and how they deal with anger in different ways um, in different areas of their life. Um, I think that when... You are involved in relationships that have a power differential, such as at work uh, when you're dealing with anger towards your boss or when your boss is angry at you, or in the family when you are um, dealing with anger with your children. When that power differential is there, it makes a big difference in how you're going to um, express your anger and in how easy or comfortable it is for you to acknowledge the fact that you are angry at someone.
0: I uh, find it interesting that in many of the specific guidelines that you give uh, f- for women to, to more adequately and healthfully uh, express their anger and work through it, that so often the L word comes up, listening. And, and it's interesting because I think for many of us as we see ourselves angry or in, in situations that make us angry, in some ways the last thing we feel like doing is listening carefully. And honestly, to the person on the other end of our anger, but you clearly believe that that this is essential,
1: right? And um, I think it, yes, we do. We believe that it's really important. There's a couple of issues around that. Um, there is a time when you don't want to have to attend to another person and another person's needs, and so that's why we we try to to um, separate the act of getting in touch with your own anger where you don't have to worry about listening to someone else, but you can focus on yourself and what you're feeling. So we try to make sure that there is definitely a place and a space for women to do that. But when you move toward to the communication um, part of the process, which is just as important, that listening is definitely a crucial part of that. And to to be able to... Um, it's funny, that because for women... Not only, well, for anyone it's difficult to listen uh, when you're talking about painful topics such as, you know, what's usually involved in an angry situation. But also, it's really hard for women to hear that other people are angry at them. Um, And I think it has to do with the idea that we feel very responsible as caretakers of the relationships that we're in. We're given a lot of responsibility for these relationships. When somebody is angry at us, we feel like we've failed in some way or that the relationship is at risk. But really, if the anger is, is, is expressed in a respectful way, in an appropriate way, we're getting information. Just as when we share our anger with other people, we're trying to give information to them about our experience and what's important to us. Um, the listening part, it, it's important to, to hear other people's anger in the same in the same, uh State of mind.
0: So, what in what are the most important of the surprising benefits of anger that, that you mention uh, in 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 the subtitle of of the book? I mean, because I want to ask that very specifically: th- those benefits that that indeed would surprise us that we wouldn't really stop to 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 consider.
1: There, there, there are many. I think I would have to put at the top of the list. Um, the idea that you to learn that you can love someone very much and still be angry at them because i i think it's again a, a kind of a myth in our culture that if if you're really angry with somebody that means you know you're not, you're that somehow you can't love them at the same time that's diminishing your the love that you feel for them and i think that's crucial because that what If you understand that and if you allow your anger to be part of a love relationship um, in whatever context, that means that you're able to bring your whole self into that relationship. So many times we're taught as women that we need to be attractive, we need to be appealing, we need to put other people's feelings first, and those are the things that we try to do when we love someone. We're in in a relationship of love with someone. But... um, if we decide to be honest about who we are and reveal the things that we're angry about, we are able to show all of ourselves to someone. And that relationship really becomes a lot deeper, a lot more intimate, a lot more honest and real. And I think that's been the most exciting um, and impactful finding that that we've brought forward from the research is that women really believe that anger is detrimental to a relationship and what we're hearing from stories and what we're seeing with clients is that that's not the case. Relationships deepen and become more intimate when women feel that they're able to show um, all of themselves including what they're angry about. Issues that trigger the anger get resolved and women learn that the people that love them, love them even though they're angry or love them along with their anger, they, you know, it's, it's that feeling that you're accepted for who you are, not for just the uh, surface part of yourself or the attractive, appealing part of yourself.
0: Hmm. I like how the uh, image at the end of the book is, is that of a tapestry, mm-hmm. that uh, one's life, of course, is a complex tapestry with... Uh, A great complex sort of texture to it, and many different colors. And you say even within that, that one's own anger in itself is its own tapestry, and and one should not be afraid of that, but should embrace it.
1: Exactly, exactly. I would, uh, um, I feel like it's so important for women to listen to your anger and to learn from it, to not be afraid of it, to let go of the idea that if you're angry, you you know you're you're crazy or you're you're PMSing or something like that, to let go of that and just be able to really um, accept your anger and listen to it and learn from it.
0: The book is The Anger Advantage, The Surprising Benefits of Anger and How It Can Change a Woman's Life, published by Broadway Books. Uh, Karen Bruckner, uh, one of the authors. Karen Bruckner, it has been very interesting talking with you and certainly was interesting reading the book. I thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, Greg. I really enjoyed being here.